0: Professor Megan Shannon Morin, one of the leading scholars on trust in education, defines trust as one's willingness to be vulnerable to another based on the confidence that the other is benevolent, honest, open, reliable, and competent.
1: Welcome to W5H. Who? What? When? When? where why and how a podcast where we explore ideas through books and discussion i'm one of your co-hosts Luki danu and i'm your other co-host david
0: shu let's crack those books open and get started all right Luki, we're back for another episode of w5h on our never ending coil, not never ending, but it feels never ending at times, our quest to understand what is wrong with education. Luki, welcome back to our show. It's great to talk to you
1: again. Always a pleasure, Dave. And hopefully there is an ending to this because I'm not gonna keep on doing this forever, but who knows? I mean, this this is an interesting topic and I think we're getting ever so closer, Uh, but with every book that we go through, there's probably even more questions, but yeah, I thought, uh, yeah, let's get into this one.
0: All right, so this month we read in Teachers We Trust, The Finnish Way to World-Class Schools by Pazi Salberg and Timothy D. Walker. And basically, we've heard a lot about the Nordic education system. You've been, you've been pumping us up for the Nordic education system for a few <laughs> months now. And it is a part of the world I don't know a lot about and an education system I didn't know a lot about. And now I know a little bit about it. So maybe give us the two-minute synopsis of what this book is about and what it's trying to do.
1: Yeah, so similar to the other episodes, I heard a lot of great things on the, the Nordic system, and apparently the, the Finnish system is is probably one of the uh, higher-ranking ones of, of all the other Nordic countries. And this uh, book is, is based on um, kind of the recount of a u.s teacher who ends up taking a position in the finnish schools and basically recounts the the major differences between the the two systems so uh, that he talks about uh, his experience in the uh, american system and then he talks about a totally different system uh, in in the Finnish system and a lot of it is based on, as the book would or the title would suggest, uh, on trust, right so there's a lot of trust placed uh, on the uh, teachers in the Finnish system and there's all sorts of different uh, reasons why it is. Uh, so uh, Finland has uh, a, a minimum um, salary that 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 folks have so a minimum um, wage uh, that that is offered to everyone. they have universities uh, paid for. And uh, their teachers actually have to have an advanced degree. So they are very highly regarded, uh, probably even more so than things like like doctors and stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. And and there's a lot of trust uh, put in in the education system. And uh, as a result, uh, they produce a lot of great students, right? So um, and yeah, it's it's a bit of a comparison between the Finnish system and the North American system um, and the... We don't really get into all the nitty gritties of of all the kind of the day in the life of. And I think that would be in in one of the other books that uh, one of the authors, uh, Pazzi Salberg, had had written. Um, But yeah, it's it's a bit of the compare and contrast between the Finnish and American system. Mm -hmm. So Timothy Walker is the writer, one of the co-writers of the book, and
0: he is the he is the timothy that's in the book the guy that that we hear about him moving from massachusetts to finland to teach early on in Mm -hmm. his career and then having this eye-opening experience of experiencing a completely different education system where teachers are valued and trusted it was a little bit odd the way the book was constructed as i read it like i couldn't figure out who was the writer it seemed like Mm -hmm. they both were writing at times about one another as if like it like it was just an odd way to construct the book in my opinion um and i came away from it not you know because i hadn't really sat down and read like their biographies of the people in question and i got to the end of the book i'm like so what are these people actually doing and who are they and what's their interest in and i it didn't really clue. and and this is one of the problems with reading books on a kindle because in a regular book i would have like just flipped the book over and been like oh about the author there i know who it is with a kindle i just kind of blindly you know, plow forward and forward and forward without really knowing the structural basis of the book. Like at some points I was like, oh, the book's about Tim. Then I was like, wait a minute, Tim is writing a book about Tim. (laughs) (laughs) Thoroughly confused me at some
1: points. Yeah, Uh, for for sure. I mean, I know we were looking at other books uh, in relation to the Finnish system mm-hmm. and uh, P- Pazi salberg actually wrote one of the other ones we were considering and he apparently is one of the the authorities of, of that uh, education system mm-hmm. and and he writes a lot of uh, kind of the one that we were looking at was uh, lesson Finnish lessons I, I believe uh, is is mm-hmm. it in its 3.0 version <laughs> that we're going to take a look on right um, and for me I actually think that it uh, a lot of it was written from, from Tim's point of view, and, and to your point, I, I wasn't sure where Pazzi had, had kind of thrown his <laughs> stories versus Tim. So right. it, it was a little challenging, but I, I, I did find that uh, it had some interesting points in there. Yeah,
0: and the main point of it is this concept of trust. Essentially, the book is a maybe 80% of it is talking about trust and the importance of trust at various levels. Mm-hmm. And that that is like a fundamental building block of the system. One of, the, one of the interesting things about this book is it kind of talks about this whole concept of Finland being a top education place. Mm-hmm. It talks about it in the context of how Finland kind of came out of nowhere. It wasn't on anybody's radar of being a place that would test well or have an international reputation for schooling. And then suddenly in the early 2000s, in a series of successive PISA tests, Finland scores as one of the top countries in the world. Right up there with countries that... You know we've all heard about or kind of expect to do well like singapore you know china and we've talked about some of these countries on past episodes finland scores remarkably well and then they spend like a good decade trying to figure out why is that like why is this country mm-hmm. doing well and the people who manage the system there don't even have any real idea of why so they've kind of retroactively gone back and re-examine what they're doing to try to figure out what it is that they do that other countries don't so there's this whole idea now you know in america in canada that a lot of these places looking at this nordic system are trying to pick out what works for them what makes that system successful and try to take some of those principles and apply them in other schools that's essentially what Sal
1: salberg and walker are trying to do here i think for sure and uh, uh the pisa system <laughs> i know in <laughs> our last book we talked about that and saying yes, no, well that the might the PISA not be system,
0: okay. when the pisa system you know is trying to, when the pisa system shows something that we don't want it to show we trash it but when it shows something that we want to believe in, like in this book, the PISA system is proof that Finland is a great educational country. Then the writers have to say the PISA system is great. Finland's a great educational country. And, and this shows it. I, th- I had trouble with this. You know, we're flipping between, between vantage points on this thing based on the, what political ideology we want to adopt. I, I wasn't a big fan
1: of this argument. Well, it's one of those things that that we have to think critically on the Pulpiza test. Again, what is that signifying? So folks can do math, science and and kind of uh, English or or Mm -hmm. the the reading component of it. So that part, okay, is great. Um, And I, I think that's something worth noting. But I don't think we have a definitive answer of what really outlines kind of a great system. Right and a great education system, right? So that's just something that well, I don't know if we're flip flopping, but it's one that we're learning from these different systems and trying to figure out. Okay, is there is there another test that that uh, should outline uh, which which is the leader that that uh, is is kind of more obscure versus like the Pisa well, one that everyone seems to herald.
0: In in the previous month's book, Yongzhao talking about China makes it pretty convincing argument to me that we should not accept the PISA system or the PISA score as a measurement of how successful an education system you have, right? He Mm -hmm. goes to great lengths to underscore that just because you're doing well on these few subjects does not mean your system is great. And therefore, China does not have a perfect system, Right? right? Now this month, we read this book about Finland and the proof that Finland is a strong country in education is the PISA score, right? The book does not spend too much time diving into the details of the score and why it sh- could be valid or maybe it's not valid. I personally, after reading all these other books that have really debunked standardized testing, feel like it cannot be that valid. So, so should we even think that the Nordic system is all that? If this is the measurement of it,
1: we have a measurement yeah, of success. I, yeah, I mean, I would say that we, we have to treat it with a grain of salt in that uh, until we come up with some other uh, system, because for me, it's a matter of what is the purpose of education to begin with, right? So is it to teach people to do math and to read? Okay, then, then that is uh, done. It, it works. <laughs> right? we, we, we have our answer. But we, we talked about in other episodes where it's to help them become uh, upstanding citizens, right? They, mm-hmm. they understand like ethics and morals in, in, in one of our episodes, we talked a little bit about that, mm-hmm. where uh, learning soft skills is another piece uh, that, that uh, it should have. So I don't believe that there's an assessment out there that really evaluates any of those things because mm-hmm. I would be curious to say, well, out of uh, everyone who graduates from any of these systems uh, which ones are the most quote-unquote successful and, and how do we even me- measure success is it the amount of uh, money they, they have how, how much contribution to the gdp like inventions art uh whatever it is like it's it's trying to figure mm-hmm. out what is that that whole measure of success and and again i don't think we have that answer um but maybe someone can point us in the direction of uh, some sort of uh, research or, or assessment that that kind of points us in in uh where, where we want to be looking
0: <laughs> i mean this this is a fun, like if we maybe you're right we have to really sit down as a as a and get a consensus on what is the definition of a good education system for us to understand why ours is so bad because maybe it's not so bad like in the in the china book yong zhao makes the argument that the american system is very strong at developing entrepreneurs the entrepreneurial spirit Mm -hmm. right And if that's the measurement of a good system the american system is great it doesn't matter what your pisa score is it's almost saying that to some extent
1: yeah but remember we talked about how the uh, American system is uh, not designed to uh, allow entrepreneurs to, to thrive, right? It is the folks that go against the system that become <laughs> the most successful, right? So by definition, right. we've well, kind of said that, that it's not really uh, that. It's just the culture allows for that to, to happen, right? A, a little bit more acceptably than, than on the Chinese side. So. Right. So, I mean, we, we now we go all the way back
0: to the first book that we read, and the argument was that we don't need an education system at all, right? And yep. we're five books in, and that still seems like a valid hypothesis at this point.
1: Yeah, and I think we'll hopefully turn another log and find some other clue as to what uh, could be... That, that model for, for success. But I, I think if we just kind of walk through the book and some of the arguments there first, and, and maybe some of the arguments or, or ideas will, will be teased out uh, as we get into it. So if we walk through a little bit uh, of the points on, on trust, because otherwise we're going to be circularly arguing because we don't have an assessment. Uh, what are some of the elements of, of, of trust that, that, that uh, you kind of uh, took from the book? So It
0: seemed like this issue... So basically what the book is saying is that the entire culture of education in Finland is based fundamentally on this concept of trust. Trust between the parents trusting trusting the education system and the parents trusting their children's teachers, but also the teachers trusting one another and also the teachers trusting the students, right? Enabling the students to, you know be given complicated things to do and allowing them to fail and so forth. So this trust is happening at multiple levels of society all the time. Right. And as I read it, I was, and, and actually maybe we should point out that the book is actually structured in a way that it's acts as a sort of a manual for an American teacher. I think that's the target audience of the book or a North American mm-hmm. teacher and telling them, these are ways you can implement trust in your classroom right? These Mm -hmm. are your ways you can implement trust amongst your faculty members if you're a a principal of a school. That's the way the book is structured and it gives a lot of concrete examples of how you could go about manufacturing that trust. Like for example, for teachers, you should encourage more socializing in the lounge so that the teachers get to know each other because it's in that casual small talk that you're actually making bonds with one another, getting to know each other, building trust, right? With students, it would be something like, you know, even from a very young age, you know, teaching students, to be able to work with, you know, a knife or complicated power tools when otherwise in North America, we might be afraid to put that tool or a knife in a child's hand to teach them how to cut fruit in a kitchen or something. Um, the the book is very big on giving very practical examples to try to build trust throughout the system. As I read it, I mean, it was very eye-opening. This, this whole concept of trust we haven't really encountered in any of the other education books and no other education book we've read this far made such a big deal about trust right but as i read this i I found myself thinking that this philosophy or life view of the importance of trust is so counter to what how we live in north america like we mm-hmm. live in a, in a society completely void of trust at this point right we live in a society we where we lock all our doors and when somebody comes knocking on the door we're like peering at them through this like two millimeter peephole and we refuse to (laughs) budge the door open because we think there's gonna there's a murderer outside waiting to kidnap us and and just the other day my friend meaning well sent me an instagram post from cbc news right about a man who walked up to his car he put he put a child into the back seat and this is just like in brampton not far from here and then the camera captures that he's going to get his other kid out of the out of the um his stroller he has two children as he's doing this suddenly someone runs into the car and starts the engine and starts backing the car away and then he has to go and try to stop the car from pulling away with his other child in the back seat right it's every parent's ultimate horror story and right. i'm watching this and thinking to myself this is like on the news this is the kind of stuff we get inundated with here in canada and probably in the united states how on earth are we gonna build trust in anything? When this is the society that, I may not be living in this actual society of mistrust, but it's being promoted to me in the news, in the newspaper, on my nightly news channel constantly, that we just take it for granted that our society is super dangerous and that everyone's out to get us. And, and it goes for education too, we feel the same way. I, I have no idea how we could implement these trust principles given the current culture we live in in North America.
1: Yeah, I think it goes to some of the other things that I talked about of how kind of Finland is, is even set up um, in, in terms of its economy, right? So everyone there has has a, a minimum income, mm. right? So that way people are not necessarily wanting and, and the, the folks that are trying to steal other people's property and all that sort of stuff. If you had a minimum basic income, then uh, your, your basic needs should be taken care of, right? Mm. So presumably with that, uh, then that sort of stuff would... would Disappear. I'm sure there would be some some crazies <laughs> that'll still want to do some of that, but for the most part, like if if uh, your your basic needs were taken care of, there there wouldn't be as much of that. So that's a huge undertaking on its own, right? It's not something that that uh, you can do individually. It would be something that the government would have to implement, or some f- super mm-hmm. wealthy philanthropist right. would have to do. So that's kind of a huge difference that that I don't think individually we could uh, implement uh, mm-hmm. in in North America.
0: I mean. It sounds great. I mean, it, the book mentions, you know, Finland scores well, not just on the PISA score, but they score well on like every indices of like great place to live, happiest mm-hmm. citizens, safest cities. Well, what happens if you're not living in one of the safest cities or in a really happy place? How do you build trust in your education system? Is it even possible? That, that's where the disconnect to me happens. It's like, it's like what we were saying last time about how maybe these are just solutions. We're trying to fix education, but there's this broader issue, and the broader issue in a sense is mistrust in north america we're very mistrustful of you know everyone that's different from us and maybe in finland they do mention this in the book too that it's a much more homogenous society right maybe Mm -hmm. that makes it easier for trust to be built right everyone looks the Mm -hmm. same to some degree in north america that's not the case and we can see how for example racial
1: differences cause a great deal of mistrust between blacks and whites and vice versa yeah, and I, I think it is pointing to what you talked about uh, in previous, where there's probably that socioeconomic divide, uh, inequality, and and act, different access to, to the system and and resources and things like that, that is playing a, a role mm-hmm. in that, right? So, uh, I think if I were to play back uh, the book that we were reading on um, on the private schools, right? So so that the original intent of the charter school was to uh, implement different uh, projects and, and programs and things like that, that could potentially be implemented in the normal school system. And presumably some of that could have been Mm trust-based, right? So how do we implement some of those now? We, we read how that whole system got corrupted and didn't quite work out the way that had. So maybe there is a way to, to continue doing that in, in, in a, down a different path, but I would imagine uh, it would have to be a a larger systemic thing where it's not just the the one thing that we do and automatically everything is is all resolved. It's going to be a whole bunch of uh, different components that kind of work on itself. Like um, one of the things that the the Finnish system has is is more problem-based learning, Mm. right? So they don't have Subjects as, as we know them, where they're not necessarily teaching math and, and English and uh, uh, science and things like that. They would be learning about whatever the, the dinosaurs or the environment and stuff like that. And through learning about it, then they naturally learn math because they have to uh, calculate uh, I don't well, know, weather patterns or different things like that. Right. So that's a, a different way of doing it. Now, does that have trust inherently built in? I don't know, probably not. <laughs> well we, right? we have problem But it could be learning. a consideration. Like problem based learning yeah. is picking
0: up some steam in parts of North America. In medical training, mm-hmm. it definitely is something sure. that has been utilized as at least as part of the curriculum at a lot of medical schools. It I felt like in this book they mentioned some of these things but it didn't really clearly explain to me how much of it is actually happening like they, they talked about utilizing problem-based learning but they also talked about teaching mathematics you know and teaching language skills as separate discrete subjects also so i couldn't
1: really get a good sense of how much problem-based learning they're doing right well for me I, the way i'm interpreting it is because it's uh, based on trust, right, it's up to the teacher to determine how much problem-based learning to incorporate mm-hmm. into their own curriculum. True. So it's not that everyone has to do problem-based learning. Like There are probably some teachers who are teaching subjects uh, it, w- within the system because they believe that is the best way to reach out to their particular students and get them to learn, right? For others, it's like, hey, let's get them excited about like animals, cars, or whatever, and, and get them to learn. And, and that way, they'll, they'll pick it up a little bit quicker. So I think there, there is that inherent piece of trust where it's the the teacher that decides who, uh, or what modality is is uh, relevant. So maybe going back to the the Joe Bowler one, where there's all these different ways of learning math, right? And and you're really finding uh, like little Jimmy likes likes the the pen and paper stuff, and, and and little Sarah likes more visual or something like that. And another one wants more tactile counting of things like that, right? So uh, and and within there, like the problems are going to be different for different folks. And uh, the different students are going to learn in a different way. So I think that it's inherently that you won't find all the details. There will probably be a few case studies because I think they walk us through a couple of uh, uh, teachers and, mm-hmm. and their typical curriculum in the class. But what the, the next school over is doing could be totally different yeah. because their their students are comprised of slightly differently. And uh, yeah, I, I think what I've found inherent with some of the problem-based learning is and with some of the trust part is they the students are, are inherently learning like kind of the, the soft skills the human skills mm-hmm. right how to think critically how to figure stuff out how to ask questions mm-hmm. and uh basically um, not be spoon-fed yeah. um just, just like it is in, in some of the other curriculum right so it's not like the rote memory learning like in the chinese system or even in some of the uh, north american side right it's more of like hey, how would you want to tackle this problem? And you, they have more kind of like guides. Mm-hmm. Uh, the teachers are more like guides to to help them uh, go on their way. So they're empowering the young ones. And I was just chatting with, with some folks on the weekend where we talked about like uh, shop class, like and home ec, right? They, they don't really have that anymore in, in elementary school in, in North America. <laughs> we, they used to trust us with like bandsaws and, and knives and, and, and all that sort of stuff and lathes and stuff well not there's no
0: pisa score for home ec right you need to spend more time (laughs) on math but i think that's probably what happened yeah
1: Yeah, that's probably so and and it probably uh, harkens to to kind of go back to that where well maybe there was some value in that where uh if you look at other skills and develop some of those soft skills like work ethic and things like that maybe math and 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 reading uh, become a little bit easier i don't know that's some of the things that kind of cross up my mind as we uh we're getting into this book the, the teacher part
0: i think that you mentioned is very interesting how the teachers are empowered in finland to adjust the curriculum based on what they see fit that is very different from what we experience in north america where we have a fairly rigid curriculum and it's fairly standardized so you no matter where you go to learn you pretty much will be getting the same material if you're doing you know grade nine math or grade seven Mm -hmm. uh history like the material is the same the way it's taught is very similar everything's prescribed whereas in finland they really say okay you're a teacher you know that means you know you know what you're doing you can build your curriculum, cater it to the students that you have, figure out what your students need, and we're not even going to measure it. Like, we're not going to give you a big Mm -hmm. standardized test at the end of the year and compare you to all the other teachers in Finland, and you get a rating. Like in America, and some of these other books we've read, this was a big thing, right? Like standardized testing to prove how good of a school you are, right? By weighing your scores against your past scores and then other scores in your neighborhood and stuff like that. I found that very interesting you know like it's just a completely different way of thinking about success and uh achievement that we're not used to in north america and i think that if we want to sort of adopt the finnish method it goes beyond more than just saying okay we're going to do problem-based learning it's it's really changing Mm -hmm. how we think about education as a whole you know you know that instead of saying that it's impossible to teach 30 kids in a room or 25 kids in a room you know and and have individualized things for all of them it's really changing our mindset to say you know what we have to have individualized attention for every child and we have to empower the teacher to be able to deliver that we have to train the teacher to be able to be flexible and adaptive it's completely foreign to what i've experienced and seen and read about north american education and I'm, I'm talking about this from a canadian standpoint where our education system is mm-hmm. pretty solid by all these books measure and i i've never even
1: appreciated it until i've read these books yeah i mean i come from it from the viewpoint of uh, being an educator my, myself as well as uh, being married to one mm. <laughs> so i get to hear the stories of that where if you actually look at any given class there are uh like the the people who meet the average of the curriculum right and they're kind of at wherever you expect them to be and then there are people the the students that are way beyond and the uh, students that are lagging behind right so if you teach one curriculum right and you do it uh, in the typical north american uh, fashion well, then what's going to happen to the, the people that are the students that are further ahead that, that are just bored because mm. they've already done it, that they, they, they get it on the first go and not have to listen to it the fourth time over. And what about the, the ones that are further behind where they need to review it 10 mm. times uh, and, and the four four is not enough, mm. right? So the Finnish system kind of uh, by by necessity has an individual curriculum. And I think the North American system could benefit a, a lot more from that. The, the big challenge on our, our side or the North American side is is things like class sizes, mm-hmm. right? And uh, like behavioral challenges, right? Uh, there, there are people or there are students that are um, have, have are, are, are different parts of the, the autism spectrum, right? And they might be in a regular class, right? And that student might need uh, 10 times the attention as kind of a quote unquote average student that is, uh, meeting kind of other standard curriculum. Um, and then the, the, the ones that are further ahead, they're just bored and, and checked out. Mm. <laughs> right. So, uh, I think there is one where if we can figure out a way to allow the teachers within the classroom to, to, uh, actually adapt themselves to the individual, um, students, then, then I think a lot of good things could happen with mm. that. Speaking about trust,
0: I mean, what are some of what are your own experiences with trust or distrust in the education system like you know is maybe we can do it through like good bad and the ugly like is there some example through your own background or you know what you've heard from your wife about education of a time where you really real like the trust like because because you and i because we don't think about trust as a big thing in education i at least i certainly Mm -hmm. did not until i read this book but thinking about it, having read the book, are there times where you feel like, okay, the trust thing really came through and, and they're right. You know, like I get what they're talking about.
1: Yeah, if I, I speak to my experience as an educator, then, then most of it is in the post-secondary mm-hmm. realm, right? And even there, there's trust and lack of trust <laughs> within that age range, right? So within uh, the, the, the system, there's a, a technology that allows you to basically uh, evaluate and cross-evaluate all the different uh, submissions uh, to, to, to identify plagiarism, mm-hmm. right? So uh, it actually goes across not just the, the class, it goes through the schools and, and basically anyone that's on the system. Uh, they can say like, yeah, this passage in this part of the essay that was submitted in is exactly the same as this other one that was submitted two years ago or uh, across the country or whatever for anyone doing it mm-hmm. right so there's those are all enabled by default so there's a uh, an inherent lack of trust <laughs> with with the students right. um, in in that right now most students uh, are, are are good in the sense that they they uh, try to do the work and and do it on their own but there's always like the one or two in the class that like really you're you're trying to hand in pretty much the exact same thing as the the other one. Well, at least find the person who's not in the same class or not in the same uh, year or something like that, right? So there are a couple of those where you have to uh, take a look at like at the academic probation so, and then the, so how
0: did you how would you look at that as an educator? like clearly clearly, that system is like you know it's it's like a penal system and it's mm-hmm. designed to catch criminals. And it's clearly comes from a place of distrust. So, would we, are, would you say that we should just do away with this algorithm and go back to the way when you and I went to school? They didn't have this thing, right? This didn't no. exist. Are we better off? As well, society? the technology wasn't there. Yeah, so people were <laughs> committing crimes left and right, right?
1: But, but should this thing exist? Would you do away with it, or is there a better alternative? Yeah, I'm I'm not sure what the alternative would be, right? Because <laughs> there there are always going to be. Uh, people that are doing Mm -hmm. that right so it it could be the 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 way that things are uh graded and and marked right so so how and and maybe that goes back to the Finnish system of of nothing's really assessed right you don't have kind of like the a b c type of thing right so you're not trying to 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 pass or get to the uh valedictorian stage or whatever right there's no kind of bragging rights for for doing well it's just uh, I am going to be able to be a functioning member of society because if, if you think about it, what what does what's the difference between a C and a B, or an A, right? <laughs> in kind of the grand <laughs> scheme of things, as as folks get into the real world, right? right. Uh, like like do, do do you care what someone got uh, in undergrad, in uh, med school, and things like that? A- apart from maybe the first job that they've ever gotten because they don't have any other track record, mm-hmm. but like what does that even mean? So I, I would. I, I don't know if we should do away with it. Maybe you keep it in and then, but hopefully emphasize something else that might uh, be more uh, motivating for, for, for students. Actually, I so, forgot this part. Did the book actually say they don't grade students at all? I think there's an assessment in during the transition periods, mm. right? So I think from, uh, I, I forget exactly where, but but it's, I think from like um, lower school to mid- middle school, middle school to high school, high school to mm to uh to university but there there is some assessment that's done but it's not like the every year standardized testing like everybody gets it that sort of thing right it's it's, right but we don't but like
0: here in canada we don't have standardized testing every year but the kids sure kids and even you know high school students university students are taught and evaluated on tests constantly even though these are not standardized tests Right. The whole idea is, you know, you get a grade at the end of a semester for something as vindication right. of whether you understand it or not or, you know, how well you've done. So yeah. I did not completely
1: realize that they don't even do that in Finland. I don't believe they do. I don't believe you go home and give your parents your report card and say it's an A. <laughs> right. I believe that goes back to the trusting to say, like, I believe that the teachers are raising or educating my child in to, to the best of their ability so that they will be able to uh be a uh, productive member of society <laughs> right and uh they, they might be uh lagging behind right now but they'll catch up uh, s- soon enough and yeah I, I i from what i understand again i i don't we'll, we'll have to go back and, and look at if there's any specific passages this concept
0: is so alien to my ears as a chinese Canadian immigrant parent <laughs> I, I i can't even I don't even know what to say no grades like this is insanity
1: yeah and, and this is one where uh, I think part of where I've heard about like the, the Finnish system um, in, in my travels is that my understanding is that uh, there North America was looking to uh, implement that system here right but the big challenge would be in the transition from high school to university mm. right that is a very ultra competitive uh, time right so uh, unless you change the whole system, both the K to 12 and the, the the post-secondary, then like what happens? Because then the university is like, if they don't have a mark, how do I know which one to let in? <laughs> <laughs> right? Do I trust the teachers coming and say, yeah, these are the ones that I want in my Ivy League school or not? Like that that, again, is a total mind shift in terms of. Uh, want to do that so just based on that they, they we, we couldn't possibly do anything like that mm-hmm. here right so unless there's a, a a different way to kind of allow folks to to get into um, ivy league schools versus all the other ones that are out there right so
0: it's it's odd that you know i come from medicine but in medical education there are a lot of these movements to implement some of these more newfangled ideas like Mm. A lot of medical schools have done away with grades. Like in the old days, you go to medical school, you get a, it, was, it was just like elementary school. You would get a, a grade for anatomy, a grade for biochemistry, a grade for cardiology and respirology. Now they just tell the students, you just pass or fail, right? And mm. the idea of it is that, you know, there's a basic level of knowledge you need, but beyond that, don't worry about it too much, right? And medical school is also pushing the problem-based learning and, and stuff like that. It does seem like it's a little bit too little too late, kind of thing you know like most of these kids have gone through the regular education system and they don't even know what to do in a system without grades all of a sudden and it's good I I actually I now that you've you know as you talked about it I thought about it more you know when we teach our kids you know anything you know softball tennis play the piano at the end of the day do the grades really matter like We all go through, like, piano lessons. We take these, like, certified courses and get grades. You know, I got a 72, a 74. I got an 88. Like, does anyone really care about that number specifically at the end? At the end of the day of the whole thing, we know who's good at playing the piano and we know who isn't. Because when we listen, we can tell. Right? When we watch them play, we can tell. And these scores, you know, there's some sort of proxy for that. But Mm -hmm. I think we've inverted the process to where we only care about the score. We don't actually care too much about the actual playing and the skill.
1: Yeah, and, and I often tell uh, students uh, a quote where uh, you want to go through school for the learning, not the grade. Right. Because the grade can be heavily influenced by all sorts of different factors. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you're you having a bad day. Like, I don't know, someone in your family just passed away like the, 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 the hour before mm-hmm. right, your exam. Right. That could have a totally uh, huge impact on that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so. So. And, and does that mean that, that you can't do it? No, it just means that you were having a bad day. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and and to have everything be uh, hinged on one single uh, number or letter or assessment or something is a bit challenging. And I think uh, if if I recall, uh, the, the Finnish system is, is less about the grades and more like this is where you need to be, and, and this is how you get there. So so they really focus on where where the uh, areas of development are, less about the um the, the the a or b or c and more like the pass or fail this is what you need to do in order to be able to do whatever it is that we're learning mm-hmm. this is what you need to do to to do that right and you're, you're not there yet i think is a key piece right so it goes to some of the, the joe bowlers like the grow, growth mindset type of thing you can do this uh you just need to spend a little bit more time or learn a few more things or practice a bit more and then you can eventually do whatever it is that you you need to mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. so you talked a little bit about distrust with the grading thing. How about trust?
0: (laughs) I know we're North Americans, but is there any example that you can draw on
1: that illustrates the trust part of it? Well, I guess in in my own class, I have trust, right? So I teach a class uh, called employment preparedness, which is uh, fundamentals for for, uh, internships to help you get into the real Mm. world, right? So as part of it, uh, you have to go and have a networking conversation, so like an informational interview, like a coffee chat, a Zoom chat with uh, an industry professional, mm-hmm. right? So all uh, we ask for is some sort of proof that you had a conversation, right? In previous terms, we actually add asked them to have a full-on like video or audio recording <laughs> of it, right? right? And they had to kind of document it and ask for permission to do that. In, in recent terms, we said, you know what? We have to trust them and say, you know, you know what? You just have uh, some sort of calendar invite or some sort of email thread or text thread that says you met with mm-hmm. them. And if you're not doing it, then the only person that's going to hurt is you, yeah. right? Because we can't spoon feed you and 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 uh, kind of walk you through all these things. If if you're not actually having that conversation with a professional, then it's not going to hurt mm-hmm. us, right? It's it's going to hurt you. And and we uh, definitely outline that at the beginning because mm-hmm. they'll ask like, well, how do you know we actually talk to them? It's like, I don't, <laughs> I'm not going to call them. I'm not going to follow up. And and they know that it's like, because I trust right. you that, that, that you will do it for your own benefit because it's good for you, not because it's good for me. So I think that's one small area <laughs> of, of trust. And, and, and I think it's, it's, it's good, right? Because it is uh, something that is beneficial for the workplace, because if you have to have someone always following up with you on, on everything that you do, Right. What, what kind of uh, employee, what kind mm-hmm. of worker are you going to be? Yeah. Right. So so that's a small example of, of trust that, that, that we've encountered. Well, as I
0: read the book, <laughs> how... I thought a lot about the workplace, you know, my business, the medical clinic, you know, how to get people to work together as a team. And it just seemed like, wow, like these are great ideas if we can implement them. But we come from a place <laughs> where like, you know, in, during the pandemic. People are taking exams online, but they're, they're forced to have their webcam on at all times so that their employers can check in to make sure they're actually at their desks. You know, Mm. we had during the first year of the pandemic, a lot of medical students had to sit some of their like national board exams in front of their computers. But the software for this thing hadn't really been calibrated properly. So there was a webcam watching them. But a lot of people, if your internet happened to go down that day, you would get flagged as failing the exam, right? For unusual behavior on the day of the test, right? But it was just a tech glitch. So there's a lot Mm. of mistrust in our society. And, And this is with like people who are like, you know, they're almost doctors at that point. You think you could trust them, right? But our society right. really is not set up for that here in North America. I think it would be a good challenge to all of us. In, in And it's not just educators. I think anyone listening to this, like, if you're working in business, you're at home with your wife, you're dealing with your own children, you know, figure out ways that you can trust them more and empower them to be independent. And as your trust gets rewarded that's how we all grow. That, that's what the book is really telling us. The, the principle of it seemed to
1: apply far beyond just education. For sure, yeah. I, I mean, this is one where they, well, F- Finland was able to produce their uh, highly touted or respected education system because of, whole, of a whole bunch of uh, different factors mm-hmm. of which I don't think there's gonna be uh, a single thing that, that will allow uh, North America to do that. But at least we're moving in the right direction. So if we kind of build on one area where, yeah, maybe through problem-based learning, maybe through um, universal income, maybe through uh, just touching, Trusting in our students to be able to to do some homework <laughs> or shop class or whatever, right. uh, maybe it, it, it's it's starting with those sm- small steps and realizing you know what kids can be trusted, or maybe it's dropping them off in the middle of the city and trying to make their way back right. home. <laughs> that sort of thing could be uh, another uh, another interesting. Um, uh, experiment mm-hmm. right to, to see if, if, it, if it could actually work and then what are the conditions that allow that experiment to happen because it's not going to be able to happen everywhere right so in the inner cities or in the rural country in in in, in uh, the middle class areas where could you do it and where can't you mm-hmm. do it so so that might be something that that needs to be adjusted in the education system
0: we're getting near the end what is our takeaway from this book how does it apply to our bigger question
1: well, I think for me, it's it's giving us a good understanding where I, I, th- I think you, your original hypotheses of having it more related to like kind of equality and kind of socioeconomic discussions. I think that's probably where a lot of this kind of uh, school system um, challenge resides. Right. And going back to the how we opened it is like what is the true measure of a good school system, right? Because we've flaked around that PISA is not the right uh, one. Or, I mean, it's 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 a good start, right? It, it shows that uh, math and, and reading um, and science, right? Th- th- those are probably important, um, but like, how do we know? Is, is there some longitudinal study that says, okay, these people in these systems are now more um, contribute more to the gdp of their country or whatever that is that the measure of success or they they a different thing right um i think that's what uh has has come up for me as as two things that we need to talk about but um in regards to kind of the the finnish system i I do feel that there's a lot to be learned there Mm. right so um from what i uh heard like you know me i'm on a quest to uh, elevate education and bring kind of soft skills education. So things like critical thinking, learning to learn, time management and all that sort of stuff. And that's inherently what is uh, done in the Finnish system, mm-hmm. right? Um, not explicitly, but through the, the learnings of that. So I actually probably want to uh, dive into some of the other learnings to say, like, how exactly do they do that, right? Is it purposeful? Because if it is truly left to the um, to the trust of the Teachers, like, does everybody learn it in the same way to the same level and things like that, right? So it, it would be highly variable uh, on that account. Um, but for for me, it's it's a matter of one. We probably can't fix the North American system in the same way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if it did, it it probably need like a a fifty two prong approach right. in order to kind of get it in the in the same way. But we could probably make small headway here and there, mm-hmm. and then over years, over time, we could compound that. Uh, But going back to the whole concept of trust, it's not a a school system thing. It's a whole societal uh, piece that that needs to be uh, addressed, right? So that's kind of my big takeaways. Uh, How about yourself?
0: Likewise. I think maybe we could start with trust and just as individuals in the society start to apply it more. You know, trusting, Mm -hmm. you know, the bank that we go to, trusting our teachers, trusting our children, And just start building little blocks of trust here and there, rather than constantly living in a state of distrust, worrying that everyone's out to rip us off. Everyone's out Mm -hmm. to thieve something if given the opportunity. I feel like in North America, that's become the default mindset for people, right? We have to be very guarded about what we say, what we do. We don't want our identity to get out, you know, if if our social security number gets leaked out. You know, every phone call, (laughs) every time the phone rings, somebody's trying to rip you off right somebody's trying to sell you something you don't want i think we need our our society needs to change on this macro thing and it's not just education as as we start to change that and embrace one another and the humanity of individual people you know then
1: i think we'll start to get towards where we need to go that's
0: where this book seems to be telling us to
1: do yeah I think it reminds me of one uh, philosophy of life that I've adopted, uh, well, fairly recently, where it's, it, I, I call it API, assume positive intent, mm. right? I, I don't have a natural belief that uh, people out there are, are out there to, to screw me mm-hmm. over, right? So, and if they're doing something that has some kind of negative ramifications uh, on my side, then it's probably on their side, it, they have a positive intent. It's just obviously not necessarily mm. uh, affecting me in the same way because uh, I was reminded of a, of a of a quote from from Abraham Lincoln, which apparently says like, if you trust, you'll be disappointed occasionally, but if you mistrust, you'll be miserable all the time. <laughs> <laughs> right? Which I which I kind of uh, adopted to say that you know what yeah, if I, I sure I'll, I'll probably get screwed over probably more than I should. Right. But if if I go around distrusting everyone, like that's not a, that's not a life to live. Right. That 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 would be a little bit more challenging. So, <laughs> I think I'll uh, be in the camp of of trusting folks. So. Um, yeah, just just for folks out there, I don't know <laughs> if that puts a paints a target on my back, <laughs> but uh, we'll see. Sounds good. Sounds like a
0: good way to live, at any rate. So, for our next book, you know, we're we're now five books in. It's time to talk a little bit about Canada. So, the next book on our docket is "The State of the System: A Reality Check on Canada's Schools" by Paul W. Bennett. So, for those of us who are listening who are from Canada and are waiting for us to weigh in on the Canadian school system and how actually internationally the Canadian school system is regarded quite highly come back next month when we talk about Canada Finn seem to understand that teachers or schools alone cannot make miracles instead the emphasis is on collective efficacy not individual performance this educational approach is not just a Finnish thing though researchers have found that other high-performing school systems view teaching as a team sport not an individual act of courage.